Last time on Exit Tainers. Yeah, I think I'm gonna... Freeman, stay here. I think I'm Don't gonna... move. I think I'm gonna head out. Nice and wholesome. You've been alone for 30 minutes? Yeah, Freeman fucking died. That's pretty good. What is it for there's, uh, there's a caramel, a uh, singular whale gummy, and a bunch of small white I'm mints. Sorry. Understanding what I'm- what my, uh, I'm worth and... So I guess we're gonna skip that one. That was from Flash Gordon. And a dude was like, oh, Jojo, when he started saying a bunch of Jojo references to me. And I was like, slowly poison him. Yeah, with meth. And that's what, yeah, with meth. Only thing I've eaten today is three pieces you, of toast like, in the morning. Like, we need to get you, like, a burger or something, dude. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. They made it through thick and thin. Now, their relationship is being tested. Hey, everybody. I want you to take a seat. Me and your father have something to tell you. Um, we've been gone for a while, and uh, we we had that visit, that long visit a while ago, a couple months ago, and that was really nice. But we want you to know that it's not your fault what's happening. Um, but there's been a bit of a miscommunication. Um, we are not splitting up. But we are going through a bit of a difficult time, and we want you to know that any, um, you know, yelling or or uh, defamation that may happen, um, we're just trying to get our feelings out, and so uh, we just want you to know, you know, you're still loved, you're still appreciated, um, and we still love each other. It's just a bit of a difficult time right now. So thank you for bearing with us. Tears of the Kingdom fucking sucks. I hate you. <laughs> Welcome back to Exitainers. Um, we're broken up now. It's over. Well, uh, <laughs> give me um, a reason first. A reason? Um, well, you still think that Breath of the Wild is stinky, don't you? No, I think it's fine. <laughs> I think it's just okay, and that's. I think I think it's just that that's Perfectly just my, reasonable. my opinion with Tears of the Kingdom. I just think they had so many opportunities to do things and they didn't. Which is crazy because they had so many opportunities to do things and they did. I swear to God, we are playing different video games and I have yeah. no idea what what game you got. If the digital version of the game is like fucky, but like my biggest issue with Breath of the Wild was it wasn't a Zelda game. You could have placed any, like, generic protagonist in there, and it would have been a decent open-world game. But you put Link in there, and then it sold a billion copies. And that's fine. It was okay. But this right. is a Zelda game. This has elements of a Zelda game. It's still not a Zelda game. It still has a lot of, um, like, new additions that I don't like. But for the most part, it has the heart and soul of a Zelda game. It has the charm of a Zelda game. It has the humor of a Zelda game. It's back to what I feel should be Zelda. Okay. See, I think what happened in, in the broadest possible terms is that they, they made Breath of the Wild, and what they did is they tried... A formula for an open world game that wasn't really being tested as much. I think that it was 
because they were borrowing elements from many other things like far cry's big pivotal tower areas and random enemy bases but then they had the shrines which were puzzles and random combat encounters they had they had so many things to do right and it's very rare that in a in other open world games that you'll be on your way to do something and you'll get distracted just by a piece of the environment and go what's over here right and i think that's that's still true in this latest installment but i think that where they try and bring a lot of the elements of a single player zelda linear story game in it just clashes with the design and i don't agree with that i see (laughs) okay see my problem goes back to before breath of the wild because before breath of the wild we had skyward sword there were a couple of games in between but the main 3d zelda games the console games are what people are mainly interested in and skyward sword was it wasn't hated but it wasn't loved it had a lot of issues and people attributed a lot of uh burnout about what like a good zelda game should be to skyward sword so skyward sword was linear skyward sword had weird controls and it was just not quite what people wanted and so the developers took a 180 and went okay we're done with the old zelda formula clearly it doesn't work anymore what i think Mm -hmm. happened was there is a good game buried somewhere in skyward sword and they kind of fucked it up by putting it behind those unconventional controls controls. yeah but it has one of the best stories the zelda game has the zelda series has ever seen it has some amazing puzzles and it has it's like it's visually very nice especially for the wii and that's the thing is it's not it's not that game's fault and so they i feel like they overcorrected for breath of the wild and what ended up happening to me at least was they just did anything and they like they went all out for it i i respect them for that but they went all out with the wrong franchise and I don't, but, but Tears of the Kingdom, like, was a, um, it was like a course correction to me. Because when you were talking about, like, when something catches your eye, having, as someone who has, uh, I got the game, I got Breath of the Wild day one, I got Tears of the Kingdom day one. Day one of Breath of the Wild, I played it with, uh, one of my friends, my best friend. I handed the controller off to him after the first 15 minutes because i didn't care anymore like i was and i didn't complete the game until earlier this year uh where i 100 percent completed i did everything and having experienced everything in breath of the wild there really isn't a lot to grab your attention the world is empty but the problem is the world has to be empty and i hate that it makes it so um unengaging because everything it's the post-apocalypse so everybody is is scattered the towns are not communicating with each other it's all very disconnected and that works thematically but it also means that i don't care and i don't care to go anywhere you know Mm -hmm. and tears of the kingdom is uh exactly what it means to be is zelda has returned uh the restructuring of hyrule has uh started and correspondence has uh, begun again. Uh, people are communicating with each other. There are uh, trades going on. People are um, c- 
coming together and rebuilding Hyrule into a better place. And what that means is, I care. I want to visit these places. I want to see the people that I remember from Breath of the Wild, the handful of people that were memorable. I want to meet new people. I want to see what's changed and what's happened. And every location has changed. A big thing that I was just thinking about uh, was uh, Black and White and Black and White 2 for Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Those were a big contention thing because now they're beloved. But at the time, they were both criticized for varying reasons black and white was criticized for being way too different and then black and white 2 was black and white but with all the old bullshit and it was also bad and it's fascinating because this is that's what tears of the kingdom is is it's black and white too they did it's the same world but everything has shifted time has passed events have uh pushed people forward and it's created a new and exciting world from an old world that we already know. And that creates uh, a sense of wonderment that goes beyond just, I want to see something new. It's, oh yeah, I remember Kakariko Village. I wonder how Paya is doing. I wonder how Impa is doing. I want to know what's happening to them. And then you go and find out, and there's a big quest for you. Every direction you turn, there's a quest for you. And see, you... I, I think that's really fascinating that you find that to be the, the draw of it, because I think the exact inverse is what drew me in about Breath of the Wild, because I, I am sick of game stories where, and I know that I'm playing the wrong franchise if, I, you, if this is what I want. You but, really are. But... <laughs> But games where you are the 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 Mary Sue, best of the best, uh, everyone knows your name. You are required to do everything. But I think, I think that just because the world of Breath of the Wild is like so, like you're right, it is a it is more empty, it is more scattered. There's a lot less people and connectivity, and I kind of love that as an open world game i i love the the sense that everything important has already happened and now you're just here and you are to explore this what is left of the story after it happened and that's and... boring to me if there was a movie <laughs> that happened if i watched a movie and it was all like the backstory like there are plenty of movies that do their stories out of order, but if there was a movie and it was just a guy being like, man, there is this crazy thing that happened a hundred years ago. Let me tell you about it. And then he tells you about it and you're like, wow, that was, that wasn't a good movie. Sure. But that's why I think that it's interesting that that sort of story is unique to the medium of video games. You look at a story like, uh, like that told in dark souls, there's hardly a surface narrative to the, the character's journey in those games. You're just going through kingdoms that have already been desecrated by demons, monsters, what have you, and all of the lore, it, it, it's in the past. So you can so still So why tell, should I care? But you can still tell that story because as you enter, there's still that mysticism of like, what did happen here? And you're you're present in a moment that you can only, it, that you have to like fill in the blanks 
but you can still experience and roam around it freely. You can't tell that sort of story with a film. Right. I think that that sort of storytelling is unique to video games, and I think that's why that sort of thing is important to me, that it's like, you could make a movie out of the story in Tears of the Kingdom, you couldn't quite with Breath of the Wild. And You should, I, well, yeah, because there is... Breath of the Wild has nothing to tell narratively. Tears of the Kingdom has a narrative to it, and you can say that it's a good narrative or a bad narrative, but it has something. Breath of the Wild exists in a lot more of an abstract way to the extent that you can experience the entire game without knowing the story. Yes. And, and that, that's fine. I love it. I love I it. I hate that. Because <laughs> there is nothing keeping me in a world... I want a reason to to be there, and I think it's the biggest example of why they took everything that was good about Breath of the Wild and they amplified it in Tears of the Kingdom. And they fixed almost every single qualm I had with the original game. The biggest thing being the... It's not the story, but it's the characters. And not the characters as in the people, I mean the characters of the world. There is no... That wasn't Breath of the Wild wasn't Hyrule. There weren't there wasn't any essence of, of life there. There wasn't anything um recognizable. You know, there was Kakariko Village and the four towns that were like the races, and they were all separate in the furthest corners of the world, and that was it. And it just mm-hmm. felt so devoid of um, community. Like, Zelda games are always showing... Um, you feel like you're in a like a real world. Like, there are people that are connecting. There is a... like. I, I love when in a story... You know how sometimes... And this can apply to any uh, art form a character stops existing once you stop interacting with them Mm -hmm. compared to a character that when they're not on screen, you can imagine they have a life outside of it. Sure. In Zelda games, the smallest NPC has a life outside of them because they always are dialed up to the extreme. They have these bright and uh, like flamboyant personalities and they stick in your mind. You remember them. And Breath of the Wild doesn't have that it doesn't have that um that spark that keeps you uh interested um and tears of the kingdom i think noticed that and then it doubled down on it because every area has more life it has more people who are looking for something it has people like there's too many things to talk about and i think it like if we were to to segment it starting from like a particular group like the tears Mm -hmm. the tears are fantastic because they took the memories from breath of the wild and made them better oh yeah the memories in breath of the wild were were admittedly as somebody that prefers breath of the wild uh that was dog shit storytelling it was Um, so upsetting and here the biggest thing for me is like you were saying it was a history that's already happened Mm-hmm. So when I re when I when I find the memories and experience them, I'm like, okay, but this does nothing for me. I it's already happened, and everybody anybody who would have been alive is dead now. 
So right, and, n- but nothing that's, matters. That's exactly that's exactly it. To me, it's the it's the nothing matters, but with the, with an optimism to it. It's I sure all of this stuff. The story is inconsequential in Breath of the Wild entirely, right. and yeah. I think that that is like almost essential for a good open world game. If you if you have a singular narrative arc that you want performed a certain way, make a single player game. An open yeah. world game, you're inherently just inviting if you want to tell your singular narrative arc and you say, "Now I want to make an open world game." One of the best examples in video games is Red Dead Redemption 2, and that is a single player game where you get to do with a linear story where you get to do open world bits in between and i feel that that's what tears of the kingdom steers towards here and i don't like that design philosophy i think it fits it fits zelda though is because zelda is zelda has always been at least as far as story is concerned story beats with open world exploration in between you are guided toward a uh a point of interest and on the way you find things when you reach the point of interest story stuff happens and then you repeat the process and tears of the kingdom does that perfectly because it gives you the choice but it also guides you where the game thinks might be best and that's perfect for me because it tells you okay people who get um what is it called when you have uh like anxiety about choices there's too many choices and you can't make a choice well yes but there's a name for it there's like a name for a specific affliction when you're confronted with an excess of options and so in this game it guides you to one location and then you explore until you reach that location and then you do the story beat and then the game guides you to the next location and you explore until you find the next story beat the tiers do the exact same thing in that when you do them you find out the order right away. You find out the um, where each one is. It gives you a big map that shows you where each location is, and mm-hmm. it tells you what order the story takes place in. Right. So if you want to explore and find the story narratively in order, you do that. If you want to just explore and find them as you find them, you do that. And so that works as the memories were intended in the last game, as well as if you want a singular narrative story in this game. See, I still think that actually frustrated me because I didn't find the Forgotten Temple and do that part until I had found like three or four of the tiers out of order. Which is so fascinating because the game directs you to the first one and then Impa is literally like, I'm giving you a marker on your map, come to the Forgotten Temple. Right, and I don't think that marker appeared for me because I had the uh, the Sage's quest uh, yeah. highlighted, and it didn't overwrite that. And that's a whole other issue. Like, I don't, I don't have the answer to it. But the like the map markers is just, it's like okay, let me uh, forget whatever I'm doing right now and just beeline it across the map, jump off the highest sky tower that's nearby, and uh, zoom to this area. I see. I, get I don't. It. You don't, I don't have. You don't have a better way to tell someone it's over here. And I try I tried at some points just being like, Okay, you want me to do this quest? I'll I'll read the description, but I won't put the map marker. And it it, it just uh it was terrible. But that's the thing. For me, the game is really because I, I like to play games how they're quote unquote intended. And 
Tears of the Kingdom directs you perfectly. It always, it whatever um, path it wants to send you on, it guides you so that you will almost always encounter um, a specific, um, not like a a specific thing that you can do, and then it and then you do it. Like as soon as you uh, come out of the um, uh, the underground and you're you you make it to the center uh, outlook uh, fucking the lookout tower. Right near there is where you find the first geoglyph, mm-hmm. and between the geoglyph and the town, it directs you to the Rito Village, which is what most people do as the first um, the first quest. Mm-hmm. So you have this straight beeline where you get all of the major uh, quest lines just by going in one direction and like aimlessly wandering about that way. If you go northwest, you're going to find a bunch of interesting things. And I think that's, it's just well done. It's made so that, I think the biggest uh, complaint, and I, I cite, um, Aaron Hansen for this, for for um, perpetuating this myth. In when one of his sequel latest videos, he talks about he wants to go on an adventure. He doesn't want his hand held at Disneyland, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really dumb mentality to have because video games hold your hand no matter what. Nope. A video game has a set of rules. It is programmed to be a certain way, and it's goal is to guide you without you knowing it is a silent hand it is a it is a invisible hand but it is always pushing you and no matter what game you're playing when it pushes you and you notice it you feel like a child which is what he's trying to say but in reality any game that pushes you in any direction without prompting you is doing a good job right and that's why and it's i think this is important to bring up because it's one of the few games that we have both played um outside of nintendo stuff and it's tunic because yeah at no at no point in my playthrough of tunic did i ever feel like i was being pushed i i explored everything on my own time and uh, shout out uh, my YouTube channel and video that I made uh, about Tunic and its great tutorial and how that tutorial never really ends, even though you don't see it. Uh, yeah. Go watch that. YouTube slash clockwork spelled C-L-O-K-W-E-R-K. But I don't... There's a better way to do stuff than objective markers on maps. Maybe like you know what I really liked? I liked the uh, the old maps that you would find in the sky. And the old would... maps. See, that's that's Wind Waker right there. Mm. That is that is treasure charts. Like this game pulls the the Zelda essence out of other Zelda games and imbues it with its own um, uh, its own personality. Mm-hmm. It has it has everything that uh, old Zelda games had, and it makes them feel uh, worthwhile. Like the caves and wells, those aren't supposed to be interesting, and they're not interesting, except they are, because there's so many of them, 
and every single one of them has something interesting, which means that you can't just skip out on one. If you see one, you want to go explore it. It's usually and there's a no- booble frog. It's always a booble frog. Those are <laughs> those are the one thing. But what that means is every time you see a cave, there is one thing you can do there and you know that there's something there. And it puts a little check mark next to it whenever you get it and it means a quick and easy understanding of have I been to this cave and have I found the thing in the cave that I need mm-hmm. and that's super huge for me I guess means- I just and maybe this is you know I've seen a lot of people like calling Tears of the Kingdom uh, expensive DLC and I think that's that's a, so dumb a little disingenuous but I, I get where they're coming from because while depths and sky areas cool I think maybe it's just because I was so new to Zelda as a franchise when I picked up Breath of the Wild. Yeah, should we should we preface this? So what Zelda games have you played before? Breath of the Wild, um, part of Ocarina of Time, and I'm currently playing through Twilight Princess. Okay. And I, I had one time where I, I, st- <laughs> I started playing... Uh, a link to the past and uh, uh my buddy took the controller from me and he speed run the game in two minutes yeah that's the best way to play that game <laughs> a link to the a link to the past is another see that's another fantastic game that does the formula well is it gives you bits of story and then it lets you explore and then you do bits of story and then you explore and that game came out in like fucking 92 it really so, like when when people say like greatest game of all time like a link to the past is up there it's not just a oh this old game is very good it's it's fucking amazing so i guess i'll give go back and give that a try but for now it's what the fuck was i saying oh yeah that um it, it's not expensive dlc it is expensive the whole 90 dollar canadian uh, 70 usd price point i think is kind of absurd but that's a separate issue though that is a separate issue um nintendo's corporate division can frig off with that one um but what what baller move would it be if every game was was 80 dollars nintendo is just like fucking we have so much money every game that we make is 60 dollars now come at us it, Imagine how fucking ruptured that would make the industry. Well, because they can absolutely afford it. People will buy their right? games no matter what. That would be such a that would be such a baller move, and see, I know the they thing won't is, do because it because they know that people will buy their games no matter what. That's all the more reason to jack the price up because they yeah. nobody was saying no to Tears of the Kingdom with the price increase. Whatever the the issue at hand <laughs> is that i i think that this game because it is a sequel to breath of the wild that maybe i just see it more because it is my second time romping around hyrule there is not a lot to do in this game and what i mean by that is there is a ton of copy pasted elements and things to do and there's variety to those, and they increase with difficulty as you get stronger based on some algorithm that Nintendo have created. But there's Korok quests, which there's a, a whole bunch, it's a variety of mini games 
that you can see all of in about 20 hours of gameplay. I, d- I didn't know that they could improve those, and they did improve those. And I think the best thing ever is that the 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 stranded Koroks give you two instead of one, and that might be the best thing they've ever done. That is the best thing they've ever done. Those ones were those ones were interesting um, because they 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 do require. A variety of uh, like you, you, yeah, they they require that intrinsic thought of like how am I gonna scale this wall with yeah while carrying little buddy, but then there's the ones where you just pick up a rock at a high place and it's like yeah ha ha and I'm like I'm I want to kick you um, yeah and people do <laughs> then, people have made it a whole game to 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 massacre them and I think that's great yeah um I think the uh, do you say Bokoblin or Bokoblin? Uh, Bokoblin. I've heard. Okay, I've I've heard it's, many. B- Zelda has a has a naming convention where uh, in uh, Oblin is a humanoid enemy. So mm-hmm. and Boko, yeah, and so Boko refers to a specific uh, area um, or a specific like. I don't know what you would call it. It's like a um, like wooded areas, trees and stuff. So Boko and Boko Blin. So you can you can you can. It's a fantasy world. This you can is say all whatever semantics. My my, I just the, they gave us enemies. They gave us actual more enemies. Yeah. Holy the, shit. The the variety of that is not the boss. Uh, Bokoblins are interesting the way that they Love group them. up and attack together. Uh, and they do a little parade for you. The Aracudas are incredibly annoying. Um, they can keep those. Uh, no, I love them. They die in one hit and they carry little uh, Bokoblins with them. And so when you shoot them, they fall and die too. And it's funny. I uh, love that. I Yeah, I, I don't. Um, you got to understand as well, because a lot of what Breath of the Wild did was it took... Okay, fan service should not be the sole reason of a game. No. But in a long-standing franchise like Zelda, you want to see things that you recognize. You know what I mean? So, when I saw the first like-like, I need you to understand how hyped I was. Because Breath of the Wild was so devoid of the Zelda charm that comes with those Zelda monsters, that I just felt like whatever whenever i found them but when i saw the first like like i was like hell yeah and whenever you defeat them i love i love love them yeah and so because they drop a a whole treasure chest that was cool i just that's the thing the why they drop the treasure the treasure chest is a fun little uh callback because like likes used to steal your shield and Mm. they still do and so the joke is that instead of dropping your shield they drop a treasure chest holding a random shield and I like that because they've stockpiled shields in their bellies. I just... Fucking bomb flowers? I need to tell you, bomb flowers have been a Zelda lore thing since probably... I think since A Link to the Past. Um, and seeing a bomb flower just sitting there in a cave mm-hmm. made me so excited. Because I was like, they're fucking I do think back. that's better. Let's, let's, let's touch on that for a minute. Actually, let me finish my thought about the like-likes because... Never. I, <laughs> I think that... I like them conceptually. I don't. You brought up that uh, that ego raptor Aaron Hansen video, uh, where he talks about Ocarina of Time for a little bit, and yeah. 
I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that he says in that video, but one of the things that I do is when he says that so much of the concept of difficulty in that game is waiting. Mm. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's the reason that I just, if I see a like, like I usually bypass it. I, I just like after the, after fighting the first few, the elemental ones were interesting sometimes. Cause you could do the thing where you use the rewind ability to shoot a rock back at them. But mm. most of the time I was just like, I don't want to do this little dance for 20 seconds while I wait for you to spit up your uh, stomach or whatever. I, I don't care what it is, but your video I game can, weak point. I can understand that. Because I with still... every other enemy, much like the rest of the world of the game, it's a game of you can approach it however you want. And with the like likes, it's like you have you have two options here. You either play the you either play the game the way I say, as as the monster that is now in control of this situation or you waste a bomb flower on me. Right. But I think that works in their context because like likes are found in caves. They are uh, confined spaces, which means they are they are more of an obstacle than an enemy. And they are they're only really stressful when put next to Horriblins or any other like keys or anything else where it's like, OK, I need to be spatially aware of what this thing can do to me. Um I like the ones where, like, the electric ones and there's, like, puddles all around you, so you have to make sure you're not, like, in a puddle but close enough to him that he can't eat you but also can't electrocute you. It's... They're puzzle enemies, and that's what Zelda does best. There's the, uh... What do you call them? They're the, um... Like, uh... The the enemies that just soak up damage, and those are the ones you just beat down over and over again, and then there's the puzzle enemies where you have to stop and, and think about them. And that's Zelda does both of them, and I think that's what that's what you're talking about is the the puzzle enemies you don't like. Yeah, I I just well because the puzzle is wait. Usually, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so because then look at something like the the Gibdos where it is it is like yeah you have to play this my way, but then it's it's kind of you know they give you they give you uh, Riju who always has the the lightning power. Um, and I haven't got that part yet. Okay. Didn't know there were Gibdos in this game. <laughs> Jesus, Freeman, how much of this have you played? I thought you were, like, no-lifing it. Yeah, but I've, I've, I haven't played the north uh, or the southwestern part. I've done everything except the desert area so far. Okay, well, I won't say more then. Um, but it's good to know because I love Gibdos. Yes, they're present and they... Uh... They, which they should be they but G- gibdos uh traditionally have always had a myriad of weaknesses they're weak to fire they're weak yes. to light they're like they're they are the annoying slow moving but damaging enemy and you have to be careful around them right and i think that's what i that's what i like as opposed to the like likes where it's like i, I feel like there's a the Gibdos are annoying, but I can still just be like, okay, let me just give me a second. I'll take out my fire arrow and deal with this. Um, yeah. And, you know, in numbers, that can be that can be a situation of like, okay, hang on. Let me get my bearings and back up and think about this for a sec. And right. that's cool. 
the the like like it's like like i said you have two options you either play their waiting game or you take out the bomb and waste one because it is a waste to just chuck one at them sure so it's that i i just think the that the amount like, of like annoying surpasses the amount of like fun that i get out of those enemies right but that's thing is that's that's a single enemy that's like sure you could you could make the 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 case of like ocarina of time with a lot of enemies where th that make you wait and i could that's a separate uh discussion we'll have one day about why those are really well designed but in this game like lakes are the only ones i can think of that have that waiting element every other enemy you have a because like lakes aren't um they're not like intelligent creatures so you can't distract <laughs> them and you can't you can't like do anything with them they don't have that ai mm. but every other enemy at least up to my knowledge has that form of ai that you can manipulate them however you please um what were we going to move on to from this um we weren't okay uh whatever like this okay this game is very good i would put it in my zelda tier list it is third below Majora's Mask and Wind Waker. Woo. It is the only... It and those two are the three five out of five games in the Zelda franchise. Everything else is... The lowest game is a three out of five, which shows how that consistently... Yeah, four swords is... <laughs> it's just because it's a co-op game and it's just like... Yeah, I it's just you, like I a. You. It's a dungeon crawler, but it's just kind of basic. But it's fine. It's a fun game for what it is. But this game has... I'll talk... Okay, progression system. I love the progression system in this game because it means everything matters. In Breath of the Wild, you have shrines. You have Korok seeds. You do them, and then you get things. You get uh, weapon upgrades and you get heart or stamina upgrades mm -hmm. in this game there's a million collectibles and a million options for you but each collectible furthers your progress in a particular area which then encourages you to improve that which directs you to another area and everything is connected so that you're constantly working towards a goal that has you interested that has you excited that wants that makes you want to keep playing that little bit more hey quick question in breath of the wild what are you talking about i'm talking about everything <laughs> i'm okay i'll i'll, I'll start because, like, like in breath be of the wild. beyond beyond the korok seeds and the the um the like batteries and the uh shrine tokens uh what what are you then you also have the spirit orbs the bubble frog uh, things. You've got the pony points at all of the stables. Uh, you've got the uh, the old maps in the Sky Islands. Um, like you have all of these varying um, collectibles that each have their own separate objective, and each one takes you in a different direction. And depending on your play style, each one will have a different level of significance. If you like like um, if you like armor, if you like the unique, uh, cool armor pieces that are like references to older games, those old maps are really cool. If you don't, they don't mean anything to you. But if they do, when you find one, it's really exciting. When I found my first uh, um, Sage's Will, 
Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Nobody told me about this and I didn't know what it meant. And the next time I went to uh, a goddess statue, they were like, if you find four of them, I'll give you power. And I was yep. like, I don't know what that means. And that made me excited. I knew they're in the sky somewhere and that made me want to explore. The bubble frogs were like, okay, when I go to caves, there is a reason to go to a cave. There is a reason to find the thing. I meet the uh, weird um, monster fucker guy and he's like, I want to become I want to become a spirit. And it's like, all right, man, I'll help you out. He gives you things. And so it's there's this direct correlation with find thing get thing find thing get thing right and that's and that's video games to me that's I, that's banjo kazooie i and there yeah that's that's just where you enjoy that and i i was like <sighs> why are you in this world what are you doing in tears of the kingdom and breath of the wild what are you doing me i'm yeah what do you do that gives you joy in this game I, because for me, it's finding things. I like to f- explore and find things. I like exploring the environment, and I like exploring the... Like, my favorite parts were when I would come across stuff in the depths. Because, for one, yeah. the, things are so dark that I can't get a full grasp on what I'm even looking at from a distance. And the that... Depths- the depths are like that's that's OG Zelda that's Zelda one. Zelda yeah, stuff. that was the best part of the game to me. Like bar not the. Uh, I can't talk about it because it's end game. But the okay, the okay, the it's depths. The the yeah the the depths. They have a lot of depth to it. There's a lot. There's a lot in the depths. It's a whole other game down there. And I feel yeah, that they literally made a second map. The the exploration down there is so much more like there. You know why? It's because there's no goddamn NPCs. Um, well, I, there are, there's a couple NPCs. I know. But also couple, but... what else it has is it it um, it connects to the the uh, overworld because all of the light routes are directly connected to a shrine. So if you're having trouble finding shrines or you're having fu- uh, trouble finding uh, light routes, yeah, you can use either or to help you explore uh, the other area. And I think that's a fantastic uh, yes, element. I, where I'll, it's like I'll agree with that. That is just fantastic video game design through and through. Like, and it makes the world feel like this isn't just a separate map. This is the underworld of the world you know. Right. So it's, even if you think you know everything, it's like things are a little spooky down here. Yeah, I, I appreciated that it was genuinely threatening and menacing. Um, and the fact that you had um, uh, the depths made uh, it, exploring it felt like a real challenge, like a real test, because mm-hmm. your hearts would get permanently lost. Right. And you could cook things to make it better, but the idea of down here you have to be extra careful it's extra dangerous and i think they they handled that really well and that was a fun little right extra it's an extra like how breath of the wild you had to worry about temperature and uh your health and armor and stamina and all that mm. i like that it's just like hey here's another thing you have to worry about yeah, down the here the consequences to stress you out the stakes have been raised down here you are i just i I guess that's what upset me a bit about this one is that there was so much more that it felt inconsistent to me in what it wanted from me. Because, like, 
I got my ass handed to me multiple times in the depths, and then on oh, yeah. in the overworld, I was just like fine. And I was See, thinking depths... to myself, like, if seven or eight year old Matt was playing this, he would get so frustrated in the depths and just never totally. touch them. And at I'm at a certain point, I was like, I stopped and paused and i looked at my partner while i was playing and i was like do they want this to be a kids game or not because i can't tell i don't think it does i think in in a perfect world like the depths are definitely meant to be what breath of the wild was the depths are there is no right way here yeah there is complete no free range pathway. exploration and that's where it goes, hey, you get your ass handed to you, that's your fault because you went there and you weren't ready for it. Right. Whereas the overworld has uh, gained structure. And that, again, comes from its story uh, element with Zelda creating a more unified Hyrule. And mm-hmm. so the overworld allows you to sort of go uh, in a direction. It takes you down a specific pathway and you slowly grow as you go. And every time you find a, a a crater and you go down to the depths, you go and you dip your toes in the water and you're like, okay, now it's time to go. Like, that's how I treat it. I go down to the depths, I explore as much as I can, and when I get low on health, it's like, okay, I need to retreat and regroup and explore on the overworld. Right. And then by the time that I've found the next crater, I'm now refreshed and more ready to explore a new area of the depths. And that kind of um, that kind of uh, intrigue that the game uh, plants in your head is what makes it so engaging for me is because I'm always thinking about what is next. There's always another uh, landmark, another interesting thing that I'm curious about, and it's always something to work for. If I'm bored in the overworld, there's something underground that's interesting. If I'm bored underground, there's something in the sky that I want to do. And it's always, like, literally right now, I don't know if you did this area, um, in the Faron Woods, there's a giant thundercloud. And it's just looming in the air. I shot up from a a tower and landed on it, and you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea what to do with it. I talked to some NPCs on the ground, and they're like, it's crazy, man. It looks like there's platforms up there. There must be some way that you can get up there. Maybe it's connected to what's below it. So right now I'm just exploring that area trying to see any connection between the ground and the sky. And that's interesting to me because there is nothing to it. It's... There is no story significance that I know of yet. There is no trial pushing me there. Your face tells me a different story. But what I know about Visit The Legend of Zelda, what I know about Skyward Sword is that Thunderhead is where big things are. <laughs> and that tells me something interesting is happening there and that keeps my eye on the prize yeah when they told me about the zonai ruins that the ring ruins that crashed in kakariko village i was like that's so exciting i want to know what's going on there and then they won't let you and then i didn't go there and i waited and i waited and when i finally got there it was like what's happening here Mm -hmm. and i got greeted with a bunch of lore a bunch of characters that i loved and missed a bunch of interesting developments in the world i loved how they changed kakariko village from this um secluded traditional area to now it's a tourist trap uh filled with (laughs) zonai researchers and it's such a good development every world every area has changed every area has evolved 
And I think the biggest thing is, and this is important as well for you to know as a not-so-big Zelda fan, this is the first sequel. And I mean that in that, yeah, you've played Zelda games where you play the same Link, but you're never in the same world. Every Zelda game has been its own standalone, and if you're the same Link, you're in a different world. If you're in the same world, you're a different Link. So a Link Between Worlds and a Link to the Past, same place, thousands of years ahead and behind. Oh, yeah. So it's different characters and a slightly different world. Ocarina of Time to Majora's Mask, same Link, completely different locations. Right. This is the first game where it's the same Link and the same locations. And that means... With different like you're story saying, circumstances. Right. So it creates this feeling of familiarity where it's like, I know this Link, I know these characters, and I know this world. And so it gives you this greater feeling of... Um, immersion for me uh, because this is the first time that we've um, continued Link's story. This is the first time that we've uh, like let the world expand without going thousands of years in the future, you know? Mm -hmm. We are seeing contemporary Zelda history um, and what that means is so uh, prominent to me because we don't get that. We get a new Zelda game with its own backstory and lore and a general understanding of its world. And then we leave it and then you, and then it's part of the legend on the timeline and you, it, you can connect them however you want. Here we have a, world a direct, like singular tiny line between them that has, it has developed. And I love that. I love that there is now this, this world that has slowly evolved Hudson's Construction Company is a fantastic narrative and gameplay uh, uh, element that gets... Uh, it's essentially why there's a bunch of random materials all around, mm -hmm. but it fits the narrative because it's, hey, we're finally out of this hundred-year apocalypse that we've been living through. It's time to reconstruct the world. Hudson was the up-and-coming construction guy, and so Zelda goes to him and is like, you're the man we're gonna construct some of some crazy things and he goes haywire with it and i love that that element is okay we're coming out of this apocalypse we're rebuilding the world how are we rebuilding the world with all of these materials that in this game you can now utilize and it creates this uh, I hate this word because it's so pretentious. It's a ludonarrative synchronicity. Niceness. Yeah. Ooh boy. I love it. But it's it's genuinely like, yes, in any other game, this would be shoehorned. But they found a narrative way to make me interested. It also was like, you. I don't know if you built Terrytown when you played Breath of the Wild. Did you do that? Have you visited Terrytown in uh, Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah. Okay, so you build that in Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. That town doesn't exist in Breath of the Wild. You build it as you play through the game. Okay. So when you go there in Tears of the Kingdom, it's like, all the people that I recruited to join this town, all of the buildings that I helped create, it's here and now it's thriving as its own community. And that's really satisfying to be like, after these however many years that have passed... This town is still doing well. Hudson and Ronson have a kid now, and they're about to send her off to Gerudo Town Camp. And it's like, yay, development. Things are happening. And it feels like where Breath of the Wild was stuck in the past, literally, Tears of the Kingdom is moving forward, and it feels 
genuinely like a a breath of fresh air okay. you know i i agree with you that it is cool to see you know things just aren't part of this world because the gameplay requires it it's like yeah. they found a way to be like okay this is happening because this this is happening because this this is happening because this and I, despite my preference for open world games of uh, a, a world that is indifferent to your existence i think that the way that they uh made damn near every side quest that i've encountered related to what is happening in this world uh they made the consequences feel a bit more dire than in breath of the wild that being said i found it so hard to be invested in almost any characters because maybe i'm definitely just noticing it and i'm sure if i went back to breath of the wild i wouldn't like it either but because there is so much more story and so much more so many more people present in this game i think it stuck out to me more I cannot stand most of the dialogue in this. And I'm sure that we can bring up the it's for kids thing. But no, I got to tell you, that's just how Zelda dialogue is. If you play any Zelda game. Okay, this is where our opinions truly diverge. I love silly stuff. I love when a game is silly and fantasy. And that's what Zelda games are. No game like how you played Ocarina of Time. How far did you get? That's a great question, man. I was like 13. I, okay. I don't remember shit. Because one of the biggest story beats in the beginning of the game is when uh, Darunia of the Gorons won't let you pass because you're just a little kid. Right, right. I remember that. And he's grumpy and you have to play Saria's song for him. So he has a dance party and then he's like, yeah, you're cool. Why don't you go to this cavern and kill a monster for me and then we'll be brothers. Hmm that's the dumbest shit ever and i love it because it's so silly no but you can and this have entire that game plot, goes you can have that plot beat while having well-written dialogue i just can't it's not well written though in ocarina <laughs> of time it's not well i don't doubt that but that's, it was it was a... that's the charm of it it is so silly fantasy this is it's the hobbit you know how in the hobbit like things are a little silly written and then the lord of the rings it's like real like serious and stuff Yes. Zelda is Zelda is not Lord of the Rings story, it's the Hobbit but story. But I think it want, it's trying to be both. And that's why it's so like like I get this cognitive dissonance when uh I do the main story beats and I how many of the tiers have you found? Have you found them all? Uh I found I found a couple out of order so I know how it ends. Okay. And I know most of the the in between. Um, so I know I, I can piece you, together the story and you know, the big parts just when, when you see like the serious cutscenes with like Ganon facing down the sages and yeah. everything's lit really dark and the dramatic, serious music. Yeah. It's Greek tragedy. It goes, it goes for the melodrama and it goes for the extreme and it works because it's Zelda. Skyward Sword does the exact same thing in terms of uh, heavy melodrama mixed with ridiculous circumstances outside of the main story. And it, it, I, for me, it only works because it's Zelda. And that's a cop-out <laughs> answer, and I know it is. But that's what Zelda is. Zelda is a constant mashup of extremely high, ridiculously, you know, uh, intense stakes 
mixed with silly, silly circumstances. Ocarina of Time, uh, when you come back from the seven years in the past, Ganondorf has literally ruined Hyrule. The entire Hyrule Castle is fucked. Uh, Castle Town is full of zombies. Like, nothing is okay. Mm -hmm. And the first NPC you can meet is a weird ghost catcher who thinks you're cute. And he wants and he wants you to catch ghosts for him. And it's like, wow. This is how we're whiplash. starting. Yeah. But that's what the game is. And that's what the game has that's what the games have always been. It is this constant contrast. It's almost like a parody of fantasy genres because it takes all of the elements and then goes, What if it was just a little bit silly? Well, I no, I get that. It's just that I feel like the dialogue is it's the way that the characters deliver what they want. to. It's not what they want to say. It's how they deliver it. The way that you will uh, talk to, like, Pura after a, a very important mission. And it's like, you, you you talk to her and she's like, you need to find this. And then you go find it. And then you come back and she's like, Link, you found this? How could you ever have done that? I, I knew you could do it, actually. I I never had any doubt. Now we will certainly need to also find this. And yeah, she's a bad example because she's it's it's a programming thing. The, the main like story characters talk. And, and that but I will say for Pura it comes from they have to account for whatever order you did whatever thing. I know. And I can and understand that. That comes back to this is why if you want to have a big narrative in your game make a linear game not a not one that's so loosey-goosey hmm. anyway and i i have more issues with the dialogue than i do with the open world philosophy of the game i think that i love exploring in this game so i will not fault it as hard for having those I, clashes normally in I did it in Breath of the Wild as well. I've I've run out of space because of how many screenshots I took, but I always take a screenshot when I find a funny piece of dialogue in in uh, in this game. Yeah, and I have a bunch of them, uh-huh. and they make me happy. And then I got really upset because I had too many pictures on my Switch, and now I can't take any more pictures when I find funny dialogue. But and don't get me wrong, it makes me laugh, but maybe not with it. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm talking about. These, I mean. Again, this is a bad example. Anything that has to do with Tingle. Yeah. What is... He's There's not a reason funny. that we remember him. He's not funny. You laugh at him, not with him. But I love that about it. See, but... Th- I love how unabashedly they're like, here's a middle-aged man who thinks he's a fairy. That's the thing. What a freak. Is, laugh at him. Is that I'm... When I'm laughing at it, I'm laughing at the writers, not the characters. Yeah. Because I, I, I just think... You you said a while ago, probably 30 minutes ago at this point, that you you felt so much more immersed in this one, but yeah. I, I felt like the amount of time that I had to, especially when doing the main quests, just talking to NPCs, I was like, you are not you are not acting like the consequences are dire or like this is life or death or anything you act you're you're giving me instructions as a player right now you're not talking to link you're talking to me and i know that link is a self-insert but at the same time it's just so difficult for me to hear a character being written under that instead of a, 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 a an instruction list for the player 
that is being delivered See, in a colorful package. I felt that way in Breath of the Wild because in that game, in see in Tears of the Kingdom, each uh like each area again, this is structured very much so like Ocarina of Time, where um, Ganondorf has fucked up each of the um, uh, regions. So like uh, the Kukiri Forest is riddled with monsters, um, uh, the Goron City, uh, the people are imprisoned Zoro's domain has been frozen like all these specific things are happening to them and so each area has its own problem and they're all reacting to it and in breath of the wild each of the four areas has a beast and they're all like oh no we can't control the beast somebody should do something about that and it's like Hey, they don't sound like they're in danger and they don't look like they're in danger. I remember I like talked to the Gerudo people and they're like, there's this giant beast and it's it's roaming the countryside. Mm -hmm. It hasn't attacked us. But what if it does? And you can stand there and it just roams around the desert and it's not a it's not a threat. But in other areas like Zoro's domain and Tears of the Kingdom. You show up and there's goop. You play Mario Sunshine for a while. You do. And I was I was thrilled. I, I was like, all right, what's going on here? I'm talking to the Zora people, and they're like, there's this goop falling from the sky. And I'm like, oh, shit. Let's get up high so I can find out what to do about it. And I meet Sidon, and he's like, I'm using my Zora powers to clean this river, and I need your help. And I'm like, I'm there for you, my brother. You know what? I, I'm not going to give Breath of the Wild a pass. It's just that I'm going to be harder on Tears of the Kingdom for it because there's so much more dialogue and so much... Because there's so much more, it's just more evident and gets on my nerves more. So where in Breath and of the Wild, I could just fuck off and ignore people most of the time. And again, I think that comes down to you're not you're not the, the Zelda the Zelda fans audience where it's like, that's what I was missing in breath of the wild. I didn't feel connected to any of the characters. And that's what Zelda is for, for me. I want to experience this fantasy world. I want to be immersed in this world with all these fantasy creatures. Right. And, and I think that the way I that wasn't I, there, I what breath of the wild, they weren't there in tears, of the kingdom. They're there. The Gorons have a very specific, um, like mentality. They're all just kind of, pardon the pun kind of stoners and they are all very respectful and kind and uh they're very laid back they don't have a lot of uh interaction with the rest of the world because they're content where they are and tears of the kingdom turned their personality traits on their head and said what if the gorons were greedy little bastards and they stopped caring about other people mm -hmm. and it was like oh yeah, I don't like this version of the Gorons. This is uncomfortable. And it was like, I want to I wanna help them because this isn't what Gorons are supposed to be. They're usually really polite and really like welcoming and loving. And seeing them like that was like, I got to help them. They're in trouble. And Whereas with the, the beast, it was just like, ah, it's this lizard thing and it's a bummer. And I'm like, okay, I guess. I suppose it's I just... It's just a matter... You don't care about the characters, and that's okay. You don't have yeah. to. They're not super interesting, but they're interesting to me because they are a... It's a legacy thing. They are the traditional um, 
types of characters that I've seen throughout the years, and I like seeing them, and I like seeing them in new contexts. I like seeing them experience different things. We've never had greedy Gorons before. They've always been the same kind of people. And seeing them in this state is like, ooh, this is interesting. I want to know what's up. Like, why are they acting like this? What's making them act like this? And how do they interact with me when they're like this? Okay. Uh, the Wind Waker does a great job with that because it's like, shit, the world is an ocean now. How are they alive? And they're not. There's three of them. <laughs> and they're salesmen and they're hiding because they don't like the world right now. And it's like, when you see them, you're like, whoa yeah the gorons probably are not having a good time right now mm. it's an engaging it's it, zelda is very much it's it's standing on the shoulders of giants but the giants are also itself yeah i so and i think that's just where i'm like i i'm not familiar with the giants to begin with so and that's the, the thing person... you gotta learn the giants and then you'll i think if you played more zelda games the more zelda games you play the more you'll like tears of the kingdom and i'm not even joking is that not an argument for like like if i need to play all of your legacy media is the thing is the new thing that you've made really that good that's the thing is it i would argue because i try to look at things as objectively as possible and then i i know i'm biased but i see tears of the kingdom as a fun adventure game mm-hmm and it is and then like we're, we're not arguing the Zelda difference fan? we're not arguing the difference between like a, a 10 out of 10 and a 0 out of 10 we're arguing the difference between a 10 out of 10 and an 8 out of 10 on my part right but it's like <laughs> should a sequel should a sequel be a sequel should be its own story as well as a continuation yes but it should work as both yes and tears of the kingdom works as its own standalone thing but it, not only does it have to work as a sequel to Breath of the Wild, it has to work as a sequel to the series. And, as a, and so every Zelda game has its own um, weight that it carries, and each game gets heavier and heavier with how much is beyond it. Imagine you make Ocarina of Time the greatest, like, most critically acclaimed video game of all time, and then you have to keep making them mm-hmm. over and over again. That's a huge weight. And then they kept doing it. And while the other games weren't as critically acclaimed as Ocarina of Time, they're still well-loved until Breath of the Wild. And then they did it again. They had to do the, we have the weight of the world on us, and we have to make the sequel to the best game of all time. And they've done it twice. And if you look at Majora's Mask, greatest Zelda game of all time. Tears of the Kingdom, third greatest Zelda game of all time. They have so much weight to them. And it's a detriment and it's a benefit. If you love Zelda, you'll love this game. If you don't know Zelda, you'll like this game. Yep, that's exactly what And I think that's fine. I think that's fine because as a game, it's good enough to stand on its own two legs. It is. But if you're a Zelda fan, it is immaculate. And I think that's what games of this legacy status should be. Any Mario game is good, but it's just like, hey, it's more Mario. I like that. And I play it, and I have a good time. I guess I just I just see a lot of potential that I think could have been. I just see things that I wish were done either differently or better. Like, um, how do you? I'm curious. How do you rate a game? Because there's there's two different uh, thought processes I see. There's the reductionist and the additionist, where it's like I start at ten and I 
take things away when I don't like stuff, (laughs) or I start at zero and add things as I like them. I don't... Like, where is... Where do you fall... Because obviously it's more nuanced than that, but, like, in terms of, like... I'm gonna fuck up your dichotomy there. Is is there something that ruins a game, or is the thing that, that builds the game? I... I, I'm going to fuck up your dichotomy because I think the average thing is a 5 out of 10 until proven otherwise. You start in the middle. Yes. That Okay, ad- that's, a fair, that's a fair way to do it. Experiences are average until they prove they are either lesser or greater. So okay. It, okay. It, yeah. you kind of so get this bell curve of media where there is very few things on the excellency side, but when they are excellent, they are definitely outliers and prove themselves to be as such like yeah okay because i'm an optimist so i see everything as a 10 until it proves otherwise okay everything every i i am giving any piece of media that i uh, that i engage with i am giving the largest benefit of the doubt for everything i am so much more jaded than you (laughs) listen i've experienced some terrible entertainment in my life and I understand that it's bad, and that's why I'm okay with making this assessment. Because I have yet to find anything substantial in Tears of the Kingdom to upset me. And I guess... There was a lot of stuff that upset me in Breath of the Wild. I have yet to find something that has disrupted my enjoyment. There have been problems, sure, but nothing has ever stopped me and said, Oh, this is in this game, or I have to do this now? You know what I mean? Like, I always start being like, this will be the greatest game of all time. And then it happens and you're like, whoa. But if it's not, I just sort of slowly lower my expectations for it until I feel satisfied. And I'm like, all right, it's an all right game. And Skyward Sword, I knew was divisive. So I started like, all right, um, this is the culmination. This is the beginning of the zelda timeline this is the backstory to every zelda game that's ever been made and ever will be made this is a huge deal and then it disappointed me and i was like yeah and i slowly lowered my expectations until i got to a point where i was like this is a decent game with a lot of problems but a fantastic story and interesting puzzles i'm willing to accept this as a decent game but it's not great and that's exactly how I felt playing this. When I was yeah. playing Tears of the Kingdom, I felt, you know what? Ooh, never play Skyward. Don't ever play Skyward. Yeah, Sword. I think it will make you real sad. Yeah, I think it'll just make me upset. I've, I, I'll, I'll let me finish Twilight Princess though. I think what Twilight Princess is good. What really irked me about this one is that I loved the puzzles in, um, in Breath of the Wild. And that's crazy to me I, yeah as someone who played all of the shrines and did all the puzzles you know why were i enjoyed it more Freeman? interesting because i didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> no i know but the the um what do you call the it combat in a shrines? zelda game the the quality of a of a puzzle is equivalent to like where you are in the game so they slowly get harder and more complex and more interesting mm-hmm. Like, obviously, in any Zelda game, the first dungeon, the puzzles are going to be kind of dumb because you're at the beginning. you got to start somewhere. But in Breath of the Wild, and to an extent, Tears of the Kingdom, they're, they have to be their own self-contained thing. Yes. And I think that's the worst thing in the world because it's just like, hey, here's a random puzzle with a random uh, like little 
thing. It's like how people complain about Mario games, how they're like, oh, here's a Mario game, or here's a Mario stage with one, uh, like, gimmick to it, and we'll never talk about that yep. gimmick again. That's what it does, and it's like, Zelda games are predicated on having a temple with a single element that slowly expands until you're like big braining a giant puzzle box. Right. And, and the shrines are that's what the I shrines want. are tiny compressed versions of that, right? Because they'll often be right. like here's the concept um and it's it's easy like you do it right away and then they say here's yeah. that concept with more elements and then maybe if it's a big one they do here's that concept a third time with a bunch of moving pieces try and get it right and yeah I, it's I, it's the exact same thing as like uh the the dumb like uh example of like it's like eating a bag of chips compared to eating like a fancy cake sure and i, I saw it's them like, more as i like chips I'm maybe hey, I'm more of a snacker, all right? I yeah. I like I you, like you would be. I like the portal style test chamber approach where but port but portal slowly uh expands your your knowledge and and expa- like it and, slowly expands what you can do. And again, this is a, an builds. issue of if you want to have this progression, you either need to do the open world or you need to confine me. No, that's what I mean. The the Tears of the Kingdom shrines work because it's open world, because that's the only way they could work. Same with Breath of the Wild. It's the only way okay, they could yeah. work. I'm not happy about it. Right, them, right, right. But it's the only way to make them work within, within, them within feeling... that open world context. Yes, I agree. I just think yeah. that the problem with them in Tears of the Kingdom for me is that the the new powers that you have give you an absurd amount of creative liberties in these shrines yeah and i think i i don't think i ever solved a shrine properly you know what i mean i do where there was an in- but i think i i like when there's an intended it. i like when there's an intended solution and then okay. when i have that Why- aha moment why have we why have we flipped the script because i'm about to say the opposite thing because we were just talking about how I like to play the game the intended way, except in shrines where anything goes. Because in like the wide world, it's like, yeah, I want to be on this path. When I'm in a shrine, what stays in the shrine or what, what happens in the shrine stays in the shrine. <laughs> if I need to do some bullshit like manipulation of the physics to get that final treasure chest and get out of there, I'm doing it and we're not speaking of it. And because it didn't happen. I and I'm not saying that I didn't do it because I I did. Like I'm yeah. I am I am a lazy mofo. I am going to take the easiest way out of this. I want my upgrade and I want it now, damn it. But right. at the end of it I get my upgrade, but I'm not satisfied with that puzzle. Like maybe I'm just holding it like... to a high standard because I I think that because your your powers were much more the, the the possibilities for the the powers in uh breath of the wild were so much more narrow you could do very yeah. little inside the shrines and a solution was a solution it was either you figured it out or you frigged off and so when i right. did come to that conclusion i was like yes okay i got it and now it's like okay i'll put a rocket on my shield yeah there we go goodbye right but that's okay so that's one thing that i think is interesting is 
Breath of the Wild, I, I think what they ended up doing from Breath of the Wild to Tears of the Kingdom, they saw that people were using inventive ways to solve their puzzles and went, okay, people are wanting to exercise an amount of freedom and we didn't give it to them. Let's give it to them and see what happens. And that's what they did. And I like that because even within the shrines, they still limit you because you can't pull out any Zonai device you want. Mm. You have to use what's in the room. So it still limits you because whenever, whatever that saying is with uh, when you're confined, creativity excels yeah. when you're, when you have restrictions. So it's like, okay, yeah, there's a rocket in here and obviously I need to do something with the rocket, but there's so many options to do with the rocket that none of them are wrong and none of them are right, which means whatever you think of is the solution and i just and don't think that's, that's smart to that's me that's terrible puzzle design in my books like here actual terrible puzzle design when you say here's a bunch of shit fi figure it out but in breath of the wild it did the exact same thing it was here's a puzzle but you could solve it in so many different ways they were always and same in breath of the wild there were multiple times where i got pissed at a puzzle and i did the the cheese way to do it because i was sick of it but Tears of the Kingdom is like, yeah, no, totally, do that. Right, there but is, I think the it, difference is that in, in Breath of the Wild, they're encouraging you to stop and think, and in Tears of the Kingdom, they say, it's, it's all up to your beautiful brain and whatever's you feel in your heart is right. And right. I, I, I feel like but I'm still, getting a... They've I, still stumped me. <laughs> they've, still, they've still got me. Like, um, uh, have you, did you do the Building Bridges Shrine? Yes. Okay. How did you solve that? Um, I, 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 I did a little. Uh, that's the one where you have to use the the wheels and the lava, right? No, you build bridges. Hence the name. Oh, you're coupling. It's literally like, you things end to end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just made yeah. really long things end to end. Okay. See, I did it, and then my bridges would sag, and I didn't know what to do. So I, what I would do was I would shake them up and down and then I would climb up the ladder and then use time re redo and oh. then stand on the bridge and then it would bounce up and down. Y and it's like, you can, that's fun. You can, I love that. But see, that's the thing is that then you can bring that solution, that solution of hold something in the air and then for like 10 seconds and then rewind it yeah. applies to every shrine in the game. And so yeah. where where in the Breath of the Wild shrines, if you wanted to cheese them, you still had to use your brain if you wanted to cheese them. But in this... I don't in, want to use my brain. I suppose we're at an impasse if they're then. Going, if, if they're going to give me small, inconsequential puzzles... They're not Let inconsequential. They're the way that they're you... They're so inconsequential. They're, they're essential they to one, progressing in the game. They are... No, they're not. You don't have to do a single shrine to beat the game. <laughs> they are a heart piece. They are the equivalent of side quests in other Zelda games. They are one-fourth of a heart container or a stamina vessel, whatever you want to do with it. They are nothing. They are fun little mini-puzzles, and in the grand scheme of the game... You need a certain amount of hearts to, in Breath of the Wild to pull the Master Sword, and you need a certain amount... And you don't need the Master Sword to beat the game. <sighs> It's an option. There's, what is it in this? There is a threshold like that in this game. There's a, there's a stamina threshold to get the Master Sword. There's a heart threshold somewhere else. 
and I can't remember. I think it's it's more essential than no. You know what? Because you need the master sword in this one. They like they won't okay. let you progress. I mean, I guess you could just go do it, but then again, it's like like the story, the actual quest itself won't progress. Well, yeah, that's the other, like when you have various story elements that are are tied to um, optional things. It's like well. What do we what do we do now? And how important like is you can this? beat Breath of the Wild without the Master Sword, but it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, get the Master Sword. Yeah. It's the thing. It's the thing. It's it's the it's but, the MacGuffin. It's the video game MacGuffin, which is pretty impressive when you think about like it's a purple sword. Now, in terms of, but it's the most the most famous sword of all time now. In terms of the new abilities, though. Um, the time warp is fucking sick. I love jumping into uh, the bottom of a cliff and waiting ten minutes and then arriving at the top of the it. The ascend That's hilarious ability every time. is so broken. Like it's so absurd. It. It's it's Gary's it mod levels of broken. And it makes exploration so much easier and so much more it, rewarding. Because in Breath of the Wild, I would see a cliff and go, "I hate this," and I would I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Like, I would just go around it, or I would just fuck off. I would go to the nearest checkpoint instead. But here, it's like, oh, man, I need to get to the top of that cliff. I'm going to just ascend, and now I'm here. And it's like, oh, there's nothing up here. Let me just descend, and now I'm back to where I started. I do appreciate it for traversal, but it just... There's some areas where I'm like, you should have turned this off. The fire temple is that's so funny no that's so funny man i love the fire temple I it's so dumb it's do, so rigged i didn't do any of it properly <laughs> i love that it's so fucked. yeah it's 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 so the proper way to do it is so annoying that i spent probably it like more time using ascend to break it than actually just solving the puzzles because i was like i'm not f- but that's the fuck thing your mind card it took me a while to figure out how to maneuver it, but it was a separate option that allowed me to explore in my own way, which meant it wasn't the right way, but it took probably about the same amount of time, yeah. so it's a valid solution. And I think that's hilarious. I just, I guess I just appreciate a a, a much stricter approach to puzzle design, and this left me feeling ultimately unsatisfied and a bit like a wet towel. And that's back to my my original point is like why did they they took Skyward Sword and said people don't like linear Zelda anymore let's give them an open world and I think that was where they fucked up. I think Zelda should go back to uh, like an open overworld for sure. But I I, I think Zelda works best when it has uh, a sense of of structure and linearity to it. I know. I just I think that there is. I, you know what I feel like actually I feel like at the base of all of this I'm I'm not upset because the game isn't everything I wanted it to be I'm upset because other people are enjoying it more than me and I feel like I'm missing something but in reality I'm sorry I just need to play something else I really think that's the truth because that's that's such a funny way to put it because that really is what it is I'm having a great time with it because it is everything I wanted. I told you, like, pre-podcast, pre-the-game coming out, I was like, 
I want a story. I want real dungeons. Mm-hmm. I want this. I want that. And, they gave and the you game all of gave it. me all of it. They, and I'm satisfied. They backed a dump truck uh, up into your driveway and just unloaded everything you wanted. They said, what do you want from a Zelda game? And then the fans told them, and then they gave it to us. And that's, I think, the coolest thing. I think in closing, my final gripe that I have written here is just, it just says Pura Pad. What's wrong with the Pura Pad? It's it's so distracting, man. I don't want to see Link holding a Nintendo Switch. Well, he held a Nintendo Wii U gamepad. See, that just looked like an iPhone to me. I like it because they they had a Sheikah slate, and now it's the Pura pad. So if they do a third one, they gotta make another alliteration. I also just thought the Sheikah slate was much... I hate when the Pura pad's named after, like, one of the characters in the game. And this this is not a gripe that I have exclusive to Tears of the Kingdom, either. I... There's the... Oh my god, what is it? In Half-Life Alex, the the gloves that you get at the beginning of the game and they're meant to uh they're the way that the player is able to lift things from far away. They have the same function as the gravity gun in Half-Life 2. Um and they're called the Russells because the guy who made them is named Russell. All right, listen, if you could invent something if you could invent something and you didn't name it after yourself, fuck you. Listen, but it's, Seri- it's just funny I'm, to no, me I'm serious. because the entire Half-Life community collectively agreed, agreed. They were like, these are called the gravity gloves. What? Don't don't talk to me about Russell. These are the gravity no, gloves. No, I love that because it's also kind of a pun because what do you do with your hands? You can rustle stuff up. So the Russell's. That was not the intent. Them. I don't care. It's funny. <laughs> and I'm going to call them the Russells if I ever play Death that game. Death of the author, man. Death of my author. <laughs> I Okay, here's the last thing I'll say about the game. When you got the Pura Pad and it kept... did you, like You can delete pictures and stuff. It has the first three pictures that Zelda takes at the beginning of the game. Did you delete those? Say that again. Sorry, I kind of zoned out for a second there. The, the poor pad. Yes, yes. Uh, when you get it, you could take pictures with yes. it. Zelda took three pictures at the beginning of the game, and they stay in your in your poor pad. Did you delete them? No, I I think I just completely ignored them. Okay, because I when you're completing the compendium, you have to like delete stuff to make room. And every time I would delete everything, but I would save those three because it was like those aren't my pictures. I shouldn't delete them for. Her. I don't. I know it's not going to mean anything, and the pictures are serve no purpose other than taking up three slots of my inventory. I mean, I wouldn't. But I'm not. I'm not going to delete Zelda's pictures because that's rude. Yeah, I'm not I a rude you. person. Yeah. Well, I think we've come to the. There's so much more to say about the game, but it doesn't. It wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, you know? I'm not. I'm. Not, I wasn't here to convince you oh, to oh. not like. Oh this. no 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 no. The fucking pelican guy. I love him. I love him so much. Pelican. Oh, the the, the news S- journalist. Yeah. yeah. Sore long. Oh my god! Every time he says sore long, I love See, it. I love that guy so much. That's a character that I enjoyed, and maybe just yeah. because I can relate to him um, and his pursuit. That's of what the Zelda truth. games have. They have all of these fun characters that you remember, and he's got his little catchphrase, and he's always 
real dumb and he doesn't know that you're the legendary hero and i love that um because every zelda game again you talked about how um link is like always the the mary sue hero that everybody loves this is the first game that they've actually done that every other game the joke is link is some dumb kid who's like going on these weird adventures and nobody trusts him right so it's like like uh the pelican guy he's the old he's the one who treats link how most people usually do where it's like wow you're like surprisingly competent (laughs) for you he's like nor you're like really skinny and and dumb looking but you're very strong and it's like this funny like disconnect where it's like yeah the hero is link and link is not he doesn't look like a hero yeah and that's what makes him a fun hero i feel like i've spoken to a few npcs at like stables or something that have been like hey you kind of look like that link like they're doing like a tony hawk thing yeah like like, you kind of look like that guy yeah, the people in the lookout landing know who you are because you are Link. But then the further you get away from that area, the more they're hesitant to say you're the hero. Yeah. Because imagine if like And then like you get like like in Gerudo village, it's like who the who the fuck are you? You're just a guy. Yeah, you're well, there was a lady who came and saved the village, but not you. Yeah. <laughs> but it really like the the like when I think about tears of the kingdom and when i think about other games like when i think of wind waker i'm talking beetle yeah i'm talking makar i'm talking the great deku tree with tears of the kingdom i'm talking the pelican guy i know he's got it like a name that starts with p but i can't remember it but i love him i love his voice i love his demeanor i suppose also the I s- voice acting was my other huge issue with the game but i like it's a it's a english dub of a japanese game the fuck do you want from it i don't expect anything from any voice acting thing in video games we're not there yet we're there but we're not there well, yet see, you know what i mean matt mercer's ganon was fine yeah because he's matt mercer yeah that's true that's the thing they 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 like, went and upstaged their their original cast but then yunobo is like nails on a chalkboard man i actually really liked yunobo like you said i was gonna hate him <laughs> but it was funny because you remember when he shows up and he's like a weird like pretending to be a tough guy he looks guy? like a wrestler yeah i love that that w- see that's some zelda humor right there he's like He's clearly a loser, but he's pretending to be a tough guy, and so it comes across like an idiot who thinks he's tough. Yeah. And then he takes the mask off, and then he's back to being himself, and it's like, there's my boy. He's back. Yeah. And I love his power. Oh my god, his fucking... Yes. Um, I will say, I... See, that's that's literally like, that's from Majora's Mask, where you can roll up into uh, Goron and spin and leave fire trails near you. It's like, hell yeah. This is... This is right, it. but then it becomes like a traversal thing because if you uh, if you get him to use his power in a grassy field, it creates an updraft that you can ride and then chain it with Tulin's power. Um, or you can use him to to mitigate using bombs to crash through walls and yeah. stuff. And so he's he's I, I, he's useful and he's cute, and I love him. And I will say, I know you haven't gotten to it yet, so no spoilers. But um, I liked the finale but didn't love it i have a feeling i know where it's going and i'm not gonna even look at you right now because i know you're gonna spoil it with your dumbass face but this feels like the culmination of zelda the series 
You know what I mean? It's there's a lot that happens in that finale. Just just between the story beats and the you know boss fight, whatever. It feels like there is a lot of stakes behind it, and it feels like the kind of thing where like Breath of the Wild was teeing up for this game to have a bomb finale. Yeah, and and clearly it's going to okay. When you heard them talk about the imprisoning war, were you excited at all? Well, when I heard them say it for the third time, I certainly wasn't. Okay. The Imprisoning War is a major event in the Zelda lore that's been around since A Link to the Past and has not been mentioned since A Link to the Past. So to hear the word The Imprisoning War was like... It was it was, it was fan service 100%. Because The Imprisoning War was the original moment in which Ganon was sealed into the Dark Realm to prevent him from getting the Triforce the very first time. Which is weird that, so, like, the... Finish the game, man! I can't say anything! I will. But the point is, is that when I saw that, it was like, this game... Breath of the Wild was so divorced from the series. This game is embracing the series' this history. This game is married so talking to about, it. Right? But I like that. So talking about the Imprisoning War, this huge event in Zelda history, and actually exploring it instead of just being a like in a text box at the be- at the opening of the first, uh, like the past, like that. I like that. I like oh, when they I, embrace the series tradition. I do. I, I and I I like it too. Like even without knowing that, I appreciate the story beats, and I like the. But that's what I mean. There are all these little things that when you don't know the series, they wash over you. But when you do, it's like a huge. It's like when you when um a, on, on a sitcom when a character walks in and everybody claps for way too long and it's like <laughs> I don't care. I just got this great mental image of Ganon like walking into the Temple of Time. Yeah, and everyone's like, Whoa! and it's because it's exciting. But for uh, somebody who doesn't know, and it's just like it's a guy. Like imagine kids who play Breath of the Wild for the first time and then they played this game. They don't know who the fuck Ganondorf is. They've never seen they his played human Smash form Bros. Before. Yeah, but they don't. That's not him. They played Smash Bros. That's a different Bros. guy. That's Gerudo but Ganon. But it's still the feeling of like, whoa, this is this guy must be business. Mm. But if you're a Zelda fan, you're like, you know, he's business. I can't wait for you to complete Twilight Princess because that game has a stellar ending. Yeah, I'm, holy fuck! I'm, if you do, you know anything nope, about it? I am blind, Ooh. my friend. I think I'm going to do that and then Wind Waker before Dolphin gets zapped off the face of the planet. Wait, what's happening to Dolphin? Uh, Dolphin tried to... um, So they tried to put Dolphin on Steam as something that you could just download. And Nintendo went, we are going to sue Valve if you you guys don't take that down. And why did they do that? They've they've gone under the radar for so long. Why would they? Well, because they they're technically not doing anything wrong. No, I know, but it's like they know what Nintendo's like, and they've been doing so well. I don't know the motivation. I read, I I briefly scanned an article about it while I was having my breakfast, like uh, two days, three days ago. I hope they survive. I think they'll like, survive I like them. because I don't see Valve fighting this. So Valve is going to be like, sure, we won't put it on Steam. And then Dolphin will just continue to exist. Unless Nintendo just ruthlessly does what Nintendo don't. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it'd be smartest just to... Lay to, low. To keep it. Yeah, because it is the premier uh, emulator for GameCube and Wii stuff, and I'd like to keep it that way. 
But I will say Wind Waker for me, I think Wind Waker is the most divisive game for a reason. Mm. Um, but I love it's it. It's going to be a thing it where it's gives... my favorite, man. Like I just, I have a feeling. No, you're going to, you're not, uh, you're not, it's not, you're not going to like it. It's you're going to want to like it more than you do. Because the game is very, it's, it's open world. It's like a proto open world game and it, but it fits that because it's, it's GameCube era. So it's like dipping its toes in the water by being like, Hey, we have this giant ocean for you to explore and the islands are the main quest areas. So you go to each island for a main quest and then you explore different islands for side quests. I guess. And it works for what it is. I'm just but, excited to play Twilight Princess more because I I think the melodrama works better for me because the whole thing looks like an edgy, like, teenage, uh, emo, fucking fantasy, YA thing. Yeah. I will say it doesn't act like it. Like it looks like it, but it does not act the part. And that's, I think, what makes it so fun is because, yeah, it has the melodrama beats, but at its heart, it's still the same Zelda game. And it's so I like I had doubts about it because of what I knew about it before I went into it. And Twilight Princess, it really is like Twilight Princess is uh, number four, like right below Tears of the Kingdom. Um, it's fantastic like it's got the puzzles it's got the the combat it's got uh funny characters it's got amazing music um like it's it has the zelda heart it's like if somebody was like i want to play ocarina of time but it's too dated twilight princess is like that yeah all right well we could so. go on about this all day, but in conclusion, Freeman likes Tears of the Kingdom. I think it was good, I, but it could uh, have d- d- been d- d- better. I love with it. multiple L's. I like like it. I like I I rock like like it. <laughs> Thanks for because tuning it's... in, everybody. Freeman will continue and this rambling I, next episode. And so then, I, I, and yeah, hold on, wait. I promised my mom something. Good night. Did you hear that? No. Really? Do it again. I wasn't Uh, looking. You weren't looking? (laughs) Did you not hear it again? What are you doing? It was a slide whistle. You have some sort of noise filter on. Do I actually? Oh fuck! Of course I do. That's funny. Okay, good. I all right. I guess we'll keep it that way. Pretend there's a slide whistle. Pretend there was a slide whistle, and it was really funny. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we'll see good you night. next time. Okay, so exit. 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 Can you let me exit? Exit. Can you let me exit? 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 Can you let